Welcome to Oh No, Ross and Carrie, the show where we don't just report on French science, spirituality, and claims of the paranormal, but take part ourselves. Yep, when they make the claims, we show up so you don't have to. I'm Carrie Poppy. And I'm Ross Blotcher. And we're back to talk some more about our Arizona ghost hunting investigation. With a special guest. With none other than our friend, Chris Shelton. Welcome, Chris. Hey, guys. Hey, thank you. Great to have you back. I don't, have we ever had anybody on the show twice? Oh, good question. Well, Claire, I guess. Well, we're bringing Chris back because he's excellent and he's in our line of work trying to uh, spread the love of science (laughs) and critical thinking to the world. (laughs) Exactly. Again, Chris, you were the one who hooked us up with Zachary, who had uh, a haunted house and who kind of wanted to know what was up there. Yes, Zach. That's right. Yeah, I almost I almost uh, called him his real name. Oh, yeah, don't do that. Uh, no, Zach was, uh, boy, he was, I really thought this was going to be an opportunity. I mean, it was an opportunity, but I mean, I thought it was going to be like a more real one. Oh, what you do you mean? You know what I mean? The way, well, the way he had communicated it to me at first, when he first broached the subject, which was all on his own origination, we were actually, you know, not talking about anything like this. And he just happened to drop this, oh, yeah, my house is haunted thing one one day. <laughs> That's so like him, just uh, as an aside, uh, you know, yeah. nothing oh, big, yeah. but, you know, my house is haunted. Uh, you know, when I had the psychic over and I'm like, wait a minute, what? You did a <laughs> what? You know, and I, I had to back up and I had to pull it all out of him. And the more I, you know, the more he was telling me about it, the more sure that I thought, wow, this is this is a stable person, mm-hmm. you know, good guy, you know, at least as far as I had known him. And then he's just kind of going on this whole tangent of crazy. And I was just like, wait a minute, really? Hmm. Red eyes floating in the dark and pictures of ghosts. and What? So you thought this is my chance to meet a real ghost. Well, yeah, I actually have to admit, and I think when I did my own podcast on this, I talked about this, that I hoped that there was actually something there. Yeah, that's what I always, I always think that too. Like, oh, well, the best outcome would be that they're right. Right. Exactly. And you can never know going in what it's going to be, what the explanation is going to be. And so, yeah, it gives you that blank slate and that kind of excitement and expectation. Ooh, ooh, this could be something really challenging. And at the same time, if it is real, God, I'm glad I don't live there. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) I was really kind of hoping because it would, for, for me, it's kind of like, you know, a lot of people don't necessarily put these things together openly or talk about this in the same way that people don't tend to talk about the fact that Superman is an extraterrestrial. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's Superman, right? But but he's actually proof of life elsewhere in the universe, mm. too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Burying and, the lead, yeah. Well, exactly. Nobody, I mean, until, the, until Man of Steel came out, nobody ever talked about that. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was a good point. And similarly, when people go on ghost hunting excursions or they talk about hauntings or ghosts, they don't necessarily emphasize the fact that this is proof of eternal life. Right. Uh-huh. You know, like if a ghost really existed, that means that we're going to keep existing. And that means that there's no end. And that means that opens up a whole huge door of hanger size door of, of, of possibilities and questions and inquiries and things to do. Mm-hmm. And that that's what really appealed to me about this. Right. I, I remember as a Christian growing up, 
thinking that if you believed in Christianity, but you also believed in ghosts, well, then that raised some huge theological implications. That says something about the nature of spirits and mm-hmm. what they're doing post-death. Mm-hmm. And wait, why aren't they in heaven or, or hell? How are they lingering? Uh, and then the same with aliens. I remember thinking, you know, oh, well, they must be demons in disguise or something. I had all my or own little... somehow <laughs> saved, could be saved by Christ. I had my pet theories. Right. Or, yeah, do we need to minister to them? Right. Yeah, Yeah, that would be another potential implication. So yeah, you're right. That comes with a lot of philosophical baggage. If there really are these spirits, that says something huge. Big time. And that was, that's a door I would love to open. I could easily spend the rest of my life researching those questions if we had the fundamental truth that there was continuing spiritual existence or life. Right. And I don't think this is revealing too much about Zachary. Carrie was just mentioning that she had seen one of his social media posts where he mentioned that he doesn't believe in God, which to to me then would seem very strange to not believe in God and yet believe in the existence of ghosts. Spirits and yeah. Again, that has some huge implications. Although... it, it, in a way, it's more rational. It seems, I mean, we know at least that humans exist for sure. Mm-hmm. So to say, well, they keep existing after their deaths, it's actually a little less of a stretch than that there's a God who created us. But cultur- right. culturally, it feels like less mm. of a stretch because what we really look for is what our peers believe and right. um, That's true. what we can garner from our culture. But then you have to wonder at what point in our evolutionary timeline did that ability to exist beyond death begin? Right. Do clams do that? Right. Can can Ella do that? That'd be nice. I don't, I don't know why I said clams other than we're talking to a former <laughs> Scientologist. <laughs> right, <appropriate>. right. <laughs> well, it, it makes me wonder on this spirituality point, just because it's a very good point as well of can there be spirituality without religion or without a god belief and i it made me realize maybe i should ask you guys from your own past experience uh with all the groups you've investigated do you think spirituality might have been suppressed a bit or absconded or taken over by the church in the in the 20th century oh that's Hmm. interesting i in the 20th century well i feel all along the church has been kind of weeding out its favored versions or expressions of spirituality, getting rid of early Gnostic faiths and and various other interesting figures and uh, ideas. So if anything, they've applied a selection pressure on the varieties of spirituality. Yeah, I guess it also depends on what you define as religion. Because I'm thinking Mm -hmm. there, there are a lot of philosophies and I don't know what they would call themselves, faith movements that, that don't really they don't really fall into what we think of as a church or a denomination. I like the phrase that Jennifer Michael Hecht uses in Doubt, A History. She calls them graceful life philosophies. Huh. Things, things like Buddhism. <laughs> Vedanta. Taoism. Yeah. That yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I don't know. I mean, uh-huh. also there's like, there's a labeling thing where if two people believe generally the same stuff, you want to start giving that a shorthand. So we we do, and then that shorthand becomes a religious name. And I don't know, like, uh, is libertarianism, is that a religion? You know, you, you can just get right. in this really heady argument with yourself about what qualifies. Sure, and, you know, you talk to people who then want to define science as a religion. Right. But then you've opened the definition so widely that now it includes sports fandom. <laughs> right. Well, exactly. And that's that's where you start differentiating between cults and religion. And mm-hmm. and these, these, you know, is it destructive? Is it not destructive? Is it beneficial? You know, mm-hmm. where is it out on the spectrum? 
spectrum there. It does seem like something possible that you can believe that there is no God or guiding force, and yet humans do exist beyond their tenure in their bodies. I, I think of people always saying something along the lines of preservation of energy. Ah, there's they've got one little scientific principle they can hold on to. Right, mm-hmm. and exactly. Then then well, I, I think the exact same thing. I, if we found a ghost, you know, then or now or, or, you know, in the future, that would not necessarily create a God belief in me. Mm-hmm. Right. It wouldn't firm that up one way or the other. I don't connect those two things as necessarily being joined at the hip like so many people do, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. Sure. Although if it were Jesus and he was like, God Oh, well, that, yeah. <laughs> a beard and the long hair and yeah. It's a very looks specific like a ghost. Then you'd be like, wait, you're an imposter. Jesus wouldn't have looked like that. Oh, yeah. What if it were the Holy Ghost? Oh, well, okay, there we go. If it was the <laughs> Holy Ghost, then clearly, you know, I'm actually facing my an, an aspect of my creator and I should, that would be a whole different worldview paradigm See, shift, you so. can get so far with semantics. <laughs> I, I remember that refrain growing up, people saying, oh, we don't believe in any ghosts, only the Holy Ghost. Oh, clap, 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 clap. <laughs> uh, uh, see what you did there. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. That's funny. It was hopeful for that purpose, but of course, you know, I was I was so impressed when we got there, not only with all your all of your wonderful toys, <laughs> but just some of the stuff I did not even, you know, not having really dived into this before, not even really watching ghost hunting shows. Like carbon the carbon monoxide point, you uh-huh. know, the various points of of debunk that are just it should be a checklist of things you would do in the first hour of being there. Mm-hmm. Didn't even I didn't even know about those things. It didn't even occur to me, you know? Yeah. My boyfriend, Drew, said, well, what if you get there and the carbon monoxide detector just goes off the second you come in? And I was like, yeah. we'll leave. All of us you go got to leave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll turn around and go right back out the door. It would certainly explain some things. It's, it's an imaginative activity trying to figure out all the ways that things could happen besides the let's leap to the supernatural explanation first, you know? Definitely. You know, I I had a friend in college who was convinced that his upstairs neighbor was a ghost, I guess is how you'd phrase that. He was, he would hear someone using the shower at times that he thought no one would take a shower. So he's telling me this and he's like, (laughs) I think a ghost lives there. And... And no I one said, would and I said, okay, it's well, far more likely that well, this so that's is a disembodied I said, spirit. I said, okay, so which one's more likely? <laughs> Humans survive their own death and become spirits and stay in buildings and turn showers on. Or you have a neighbor with an odd schedule. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, when you put it that way. <laughs> but, you know, well, it's isn't it funny how many people would say, well, Obviously, that I have a ghost. What do you What do you mean? Right, but then you, you know, yeah. Like just some people though are having fun. I think they're kind of on the wobbly edge of belief. Where and it's just fun to say, yeah, I've got the ghost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that was probably the case for my friend, but I don't think that was the case for Zachary. And I think the three of us oh. talking here, I feel like we have very different minds. Where if we actually believe there's a possibility 
of a spirit being in our house. We've got to get to the bottom of this. How does it turn a shower nozzle? How does that make a noise? Big time. Yeah, okay, yeah. so there, I'm hearing a sound. That means that air molecules are bumping up against one another. And where is this bumping starting? I'm going to set up a camera to watch the, the shower yeah. nozzle. But like you're saying, Carrie, Zachary, that wasn't quite his approach. Yeah, it seems like he was scared, but that was kind of the end of it, you know? Well, maybe there are ghosts here. And I just got to live with that possibility. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, short of getting, I mean, he went and got a psychic and called the paranormal guys. But short of that, which is not nothing. Yeah, he's um, proactive about it. First, but at the same time, I was kind of surprised at his lack of curiosity. Hmm. Well, and just the fact uh, that he you know? didn't have photos at the ready. I mean, if. If, yes. If I had that's what, yes. a phenomenon yeah. like that in my house, that's why I, I just kept not understanding the motives because for me, that would be like the most important folder where I have the pictures of the yes. ghosts in my house. That's me right. too. But we're, we're also looking at this from a different angle. I'm thinking if I were really convinced there was a ghost in my home and I've been there, then <laughs> I wouldn't necessarily be collecting the evidence because I'd be thinking, well, the second they get here, they're going to experience it too. Mm. Uh, yeah. Sure. Sure, sure. Though, in his own timeline, the ghosts weren't there every day. Right. Yeah, right. yeah, that's true. That's Which is true. a problem we've but, talked about. But it's I, not reliable. Right. You're, you're right. I guess I'm thinking, there. he's thinking, well, these sort of experts, and I'm using air quotes around experts, but these experts are coming. <laughs> they know what to do. Like, they'll be able to suss out whether there's Bring ghosts right out. away. Without yeah. thinking like, oh, wait, maybe the evidence that even brought me to this conclusion needs examination. Right. Right. Yeah. It, it was an interesting exercise in belief, in in behavior around incredible or fantastic events, and that what's shown in the movies is so usually not what actually goes down with people. Oh, so, so much the case. <laughs> if you see anything based on the Warrens. Oh, yeah. Ed and Lorraine Warren. Oh, yes. Amityville. That's all based oh, on yeah. their investigations. They They were active for many years, and a lot of popular ghost stories are based on their botched investigations and (laughs) for example they always show that haunted doll and there was like a whole movie that had this really creepy looking doll it was a raggedy ann doll (laughs) right yeah the conjuring right (laughs) yeah yeah yes that was it the conjuring yes be highly uh, critical of any uh, account that leads back to the warrens well the 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 amityville horror specifically was was thoroughly debunked and and i think they even admitted that they had lied for the fame of it or for right oh yes no i'm remembering now i don't the the warrens didn't say that but i think the people who had lived there did say like well they kind of pressured us into giving a certain account right think that's right yeah the whole thing with blood coming out of the walls and the the, you know the portal to hell to hell in the basement and all this kind of nonsense that none it never happened none none of that ever occurred at all well my favorite thing about the amityville horror is that there's a room that just has a bunch of flies in it and they they have to like pump in some really heavy duty scary music to convince you that this is a scary thing instead of just gross open a window exactly (laughs) that's right you know these movies just create this sort of fantasy world sort of thing and and it just doesn't i don't know it just doesn't uh doesn't seem to be doing a good public service (laughs) but i think it speaks to a psychology that's being exploited there and that we all love to hear these stories and see these things and think that somewhere out there, this is true, this does happen. Okay, maybe not in my neighbor's house, but 
there's a cottage somewhere in New England, and yeah, it's definitely haunted. I, I think people just want to know that it exists somewhere. I, I think you're right. I, I think you're totally right. And it, and of course, it also fills that same need that so many of our our you know fantasies or more fantastical ideas fit, which is that it makes life a little less boring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah, definitely true. Yeah. So we're talking here about sort of the positive aspects of believing in the afterlife. So let's let's shift a little bit and talk mm-hmm. about the negatives, because I think a lot of people overlook this, especially if they haven't had a situation like Zachary's or like mine, where a belief that might have brought you comfort before has now become terrifying. Mm-hmm. And yes. Chris, you said something interesting at the end of our investigation. You said, I didn't really expect to help Zachary. I'm realizing now that we helped him. Yeah, very very much so, because he had not really expressed to me when we had been going back and forth about the details of what was going on, how much fear and, and almost terror in some ways and loathing and kind of dread he was experiencing because of this haunting that he felt he was in the middle of. Mm-hmm. And I... I just didn't really appreciate the level of, of, I guess, dread would probably be the best word for what he was experiencing in his own home. And so it was totally kind of unlooked for to me. You know, usually when you have a debunking attitude or you see debunking shows, they're they're almost like, you know, sometimes when it's not done right and it's not done well, they come across as though they're coming in to, you know, fix the stupid people or it's a funny thing or goofy thing or it's a these idiots they think this and we're going to show them what's what and I didn't have that attitude at all going into it nor did I want to but I just didn't necessarily expect there to be a different vibe to the whole thing than than that you know sort of satirical we're going to be we're going to come in there and debunk it kind of thing if that's making sense you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I guess maybe on some level I was afraid that as we were starting to offer explanations that maybe we'd be met with resistance and it would be Mm -hmm. an an adversarial sort of thing. Because when someone has deep-seated beliefs, oftentimes it's seen that way. You're attacking not the ideas or the beliefs themselves, but the person. But we didn't have that at all with Zachary. He was so open and receptive to the conversation. He really wanted to be told that a ghost was not in his home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And I was and I wasn't expecting that. Like I said, because we hadn't really discussed consequences or ramifications of the haunting or anything when 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 I'd been getting all the details from him. If I were to do this again, I would definitely know to ask with what attitude does this person approach their home and this whole haunting and what's going on and how do they feel about it and how has it affected their personal life and that sort of thing. I think I'd be much more curious about that now. It's a great point. Yeah, because I think in our discussions with him, we ended up talking about his personal life and a lot of the past memories that all of these experiences were dredging up for him, Mm -hmm. which reminds me, and I was thinking of it during the investigation, there's this kind of skeptical maxim that there are no haunted houses, there are only haunted people. What do you think Mm. of that? Do you think that's true? I would not agree with that on some sort of like theoretical level, mm-hmm. but on a psychological level, knowing, you know, if we if we presume from, you know, the basis that that ghosts aren't real or something, then I would definitely agree with that. Yeah, I I, I would also buck against that generalization and say that there are haunted places in that 
you experienced, Carrie, the mm-hmm. carbon monoxide in your house. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think some places, just by carrying a history with them and even some visual... Holothocene. Feature- <laughs> uh that'll come up in a future investigation. Yeah, like I, I've been to, for example, the Brookdale Lodge up in the Santa Cruz Mountains, and it has this haunting story with a little girl who supposedly died in the river that runs through the restaurant slash hotel. And... It's creepy. Like I go there and I get these feelings, this delightful chill Mm -hmm. thinking as I look into this darkened corner with Harlequin floor, I think, oh my goodness, this feels haunted to me. And I love it. I love that feeling. Or it's the abandoned asylum. Right. Yeah. And then, but in order to even have fun with it, you have to have like some element of not totally believing it, I feel like. Because I think what, what convinced me that Zachary was sincere was that he was afraid. Mm-hmm. You know, if yeah. he had been more like, oh, yeah, isn't this wild? Well, let's watch a movie. You know, uh, no, <laughs> uh, you're not, you don't really think a ghost is here. We, we talked about right. some other factors too while we were there, like low frequency audio can mm-hmm. create yes. that kind of feeling. Infrasound. Infrasound, right. People have speculated that maybe that's why people in churches with the large organs, why they get this sense of the other, this presence of God, is because of that infrasound. That's another potential area. Oh, that is very interesting. I would Again, it seems obvious after you say it, but I wouldn't have thought of it. And then you have things uh, like, like Zachary was describing, uh, hypnagogia and hypnopompia. These are real yep. experiences. And also the influences of drugs. And these are going more towards the the haunted person, not the haunted place. But I feel like there is some rooting in real world phenomena. Epilepsy can create similar uh, kinds of experiences that need a rational explanation. Right. And I feel like haunted person implies like some sort of psychological baggage. Mm-hmm. At least it does for me. And sometimes that is the explanation, but it's not always going to be. So I feel like it, it's this interplay. I think there's a reason that we have these cultural narratives because there are some real world phenomena they're built on top of. Mm-hmm. But looking at his house itself, there was nothing about it visually that I would have said, oh, creepy. It's like, oh, oh was... yeah, no. Even knowing. No, it was a poltergeist house. It was perfect. It was new building, <laughs> new cul-de-sac. I mean. You know, when you put you it know, that the, way. The only thing we wondered was, was it built on an Indian reservation? <laughs> <laughs> burial ground, you know? Because uh, it was uh, it was an idyllic house. I couldn't stop thinking when we were there, man, that this is a place I'd love to live. But then we realized it was ridiculous for people from India to have come over. And, and <laughs> it's just unlikely. <laughs> I mean, yeah, maybe a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I won't rule anything out. But <laughs> yes, well, see, semantics um, save us again. It can't be right, Indian burial right. ground. We're so far from India. <laughs> One thing I keep thinking of as we're talking is how the whole idea of paranormal means outside the normal or outside our scientific understanding. So you always have to start, no matter which side of this discussion you're on, you have to start with ruling out the normal, Mm -hmm. ruling out the earthly explanation. I think that usually when people go into these situations, and certainly on ghost hunting shows, mm-hmm. you go in skipping that step entirely, and we're just... Or or to a great degree, yeah. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Uh, we're just going to jump to the extra, or the para yes. part. Mm-hmm. 
That's right. And I think it was telling that the previous group that he had invited in had been able to find so many positive claims, the EMF reading on the bed and the yeah. the orb and these other images. Uh, so I think if suitably motivated, you can produce these phenomenon. And that's always in the TV show's best interest. Mm-hmm. Is to oh, absolutely. Those shows there. are just exercises in confirmation bias. Right. They are. Well, also, you only need like one person on the set who's a jokester to keep a 10 year show going. Uh, One of my friends from the independent investigations group, Steve Moscarella, he used to be a cameraman on one of those shows. And Ah. he said, oh, yeah, they would regularly ask us to rig something or kind of push (gasps) something in the side of the frame. He's like, that's just that's just standard operating procedure. Oh, wow. And so, you know, uh, like like we didn't know that. And I sit here morally outraged now. Like, what? <laughs> yeah. Those bastards. No, you know? I know what you mean. Like, think of the fun you could have with just a single little egg of green slime. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You know, on one of those shows, you know what I mean? God, all you have to do is, like, knock on a wall and people will be like, oh, investigation's over. We heard one noise. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's yeah. right. And I think it's that's easy right. to justify doing that because you say, oh, well, I'm just having a little bit of fun. I'm supporting a fun cultural narrative. Everybody enjoys it. In the back of our minds, we know that this isn't real. Or it's the lie that tells the greater truth mm-hmm. because it is real. Ghosts do exist. But okay, we didn't get to catch it today. Lying for Jesus. But, mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Right. It's a little sad in some ways and very understandable in others because of, because of what you were just saying there. What an industry this is. Mm. You know, the ghost mm-hmm. hunting industry, the ghost telling industry, the, the, the tourist sites, the people who are employed by these places. I mean, we got the Stanley Hotel here yes. in Colorado and Ooh. that's right up the road. They have literally turned that entire hotel, which is a beautiful little hotel all in its own in a nice idyllic location here in Colorado. But they've turned it into a whole ghost industry because Stephen King wrote a book. Right. Yeah. And Roswell, New Mexico would not be a place anyone stops without the alien lore there. And Loch Ness, who would go wander that direction unless they thought they were going to see the monster. Exactly. I wonder how many people visit... Uh, the National Forest looking for, you know, <laughs> Bigfoot, too. Right. Oh, yeah. So this, you know, so this isn't, this is, you really have to look at this as a little bit of an of an industry. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know, I don't know if cottage industry fits, but, you know, it's it's a thing. Mansion and it, history. It, yeah, that's right. And so it, it's, there's that confirmation bias. There's a, there's a, what I call, there's a vested interest, right, in, in these things being true. So there's a whole... And I think that must have ripple effects throughout a society when when you have so many places, so many legends, so many stories. And then, of course, we pile on all the movies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know? yeah, and everything always gets changed in the retelling. Mm-hmm. There's always these little things that get oh, yeah. added. And it's always about the better story, the better narrative. We're storytellers. And so we take out contradictory details. Yeah. We slightly enhance and increase the emotional impact. And yeah. often unintentionally. Often, right. And then, of course, the movie's fully meaning to. So again, it's an industry, but there's a reason there's all these TV shows about people scaring themselves in the dark and no shows about what we just did, which is showing up at a place and kind of explaining one thing at a time and offering some theories around things that they can't explain. That doesn't make as good of television. 
And is often, as you mentioned, Chris is often thought of as someone ruining someone else's fun. Mm -hmm. Well, exactly. And when you're taking away someone's belief in something, they're going to fight it. You know, they're they're just they're just always going to fight it. Unless you're Uh, Zachary. Yeah. Well, unless they're being. Yeah, that's right. Unless there's unless they truly don't want that belief. Right. Exactly. If it's not. Let me put it this way. If it's giving them some kind of comfort Mm -hmm. or emotional Mm -hmm. satisfaction or hope or, you know, what's a more positive sort of emotion for them as an experience, they're not going to want to give that up. They're going their whole confirmation bias is going to go in the totally opposite direction from that. Right. When something important to them is seen as tied to this belief and it's foundational to them, foundational to their marriage, to the way they've raised or interacted with their children or heavy decisions that they've made that might've impacted others, then yeah, like you say, if you question any of that, that's seen as a direct and personal attack and that's really hard to avoid. Exactly. And so instead an industry is built up around it and Mm -hmm. I, I wonder, have you guys ever had any experience with Europe? Do they do the same stuff? Oh, yeah. Well, they have oh, yeah. haunted castles. And- Loch yeah, Ness. so they do go. They <laughs> yeah. have, oh, well, of course, Loch Ness, of course. What am I saying? I think I was wondering, like, do they do, have they created a, like a TV or entertainment industry around it? But I imagine, of course, they do. They're human beings. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure that's the case. I mean, I guess I don't know any British ghost hunting shows off the top of my head, but right. um, I would be shocked if there weren't any. Right. Ross is using his computer right now to uh, check. I want to remember the name uh, Ghostwatch. That was it. Ghostwatch. Okay. Showed up on the BBC as a spoof documentary, mockumentary. It was all about this intense haunting. Turned out to be a spook, but it really scared people. And people were calling in and having really oh, bad... No, it's <laughs> like a War of the Worlds situation. It, it was exactly like that. <laughs> oh, no. So, Well, keep in mind, these are the same folks who fall for the spaghetti trees. Spaghetti what? trees? Oh, yeah. You didn't hear about this? No. No, we're about to fall for it. This really happened in England. uh, The BBC, many, many years ago, broadcast, uh, I think it was around Christmas time. I I have that somehow associated with Christmas. And you can look this up. They broadcast a documentary, which was a complete and utter satire. Mm -hmm. But people took it for real that they were harvesting spaghetti from trees. Oh, boy. (laughs) And they literally showed people, old ladies with baskets, pulling spaghetti. Oh, yep. We see a picture here. Okay. Amazing. It was broadcast on April Fool's Day, 1957 by the BBC. Those jokers. April Fool's Day. That's right. That's what it was. And it was this whole documentary and they fell for it. So, of course, that's amazing. I'm going to pull that out of my bag of tricks and say, well, if they'll fall for that. Then. <laughs> well, they didn't elect Donald Trump. I was just Jokes about on to us. Boston, so, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, they had haunted castles before we were even a nation, at least you know, the United States. That. We were just a twinkle in that ghost's eye. And the Japanese also, I think, are pretty into this, at least judging by their horror movies. Japanese horror movies are Mm -hmm. absolutely Mm -hmm. terrifying. Yeah, that's true. I think they've probably got a a big thing going with this, too. That's an interesting point. I wonder if these are truly human universals that in any culture you will find this belief of spirits returning. I, you know, from now that I'm dredging through everything, I think Africa, South America, absolutely. It does seem to be as universal as a smile. (laughs) (laughs) Chris, I got to stop you for a second because we have a Jumbotron! Jumbotron! 
And this one is for Pretend Radio. Pretend Radio is a documentary-style podcast about real people pretending to be someone else. This sounds really fun. So the host interviews real con artists, snake oil salesmen, and former cult members, anyone living a lie. This sounds right up all of our alleys. Each episode explores the tactics these criminals use to disarm their victims and why people fall for it every time. So search for Pretend Radio on your favorite podcast app and subscribe. I think I'll do that. All right. I keep getting this visual of overlapping circles because I keep thinking of how belief, when you first adopt it, it's almost always a positive thing. It gives you comfort. It gives you community. It gives Mm. you, um, you know, a thinking map. And then Uh at the end of your tenure, if you end up leaving your faith, at the end, it's become mostly a burden. But there's also this overlap in the middle where it's giving you that thought map and it's giving you some comfort, but it's also starting to be a burden. Hmm. And I think Uh that's where all the action is. That's where you get all this cognitive dissonance and all this fighting the the explanation that might take you out of that belief because you don't really know you don't know if it's better or worse for you to stay yeah that's fascinating and you you always have a bit of both i'm reminded of how after a major disaster when something really bad happens to the nation or community people go right back to their religious places of worship Mm. and on one level you could see them feeling let down by god or you know whatever it is they believe in but i feel like they're going back to be reminded wait wait tell me how it's all true again because Mm -hmm. it's not feeling very true right now oh interesting sure crisis of faith yeah i guess i don't see that when i look at that but it could be i remember i I mean in some cases of course i mean not necessarily saying that's a universal thing i'm part of a church community and i remember we had two young vibrant wonderful members of the church who were both either in high school or just out of it, and they both died in car accidents within mm. maybe a year of each other. Oh, and I just and that was around the time that I was losing my faith. And I remember attending these services and just watching everyone kind of grasp at anything they could. Wait, how do we find hope here? How do we mm-hmm. find a future? Mm-hmm. So that's the kind of thing I'm thinking of. Yeah. Yeah, I, I well, I can. I mean, it wasn't a God belief, but I certainly experienced that coming out of Scientology. I mm. was thinking that, yeah. I mean, you, boy, Scientologists <laughs> can really <laughs> understand those overlapping circles because yes. Scientology will put you through the ringer until you are all the way in the burdened category. <laughs> yes, they kind of push you through that gray zone. Yeah, in many ways, and 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 in a lot of ways, that's what most destructive cults do. But Scientology, man, they really they've got it down. Uh, and and it's because it's a uh, it's all about the money and and you know and, and they're just going to keep squeezing and squeezing until they get all your money from you you know so it makes it easy. Yeah. It seems like they found effective ways to keep you from realizing how inconvenienced you were within Scientology <laughs> yes. until you were in the process of getting out of it and then all of a sudden you started to realize oh wait that's not right oh you shouldn't do that to people. Oh, very much so. Very much so. For me, it was all about belief and it was all about the faith of it, which no Scientologist would ever use that term to describe what they are thinking with Scientology. But I, it was faith and it was this belief system that, that the world could be a better place and I could help make it that way and I could you know, be immortal and all this. I, I fought losing that. I didn't want to just give that up. That was not an easy, easy thing to do, you know. Yeah. I mean, and especially all that sunk cost. You've put in so many years and so much work. 
might as well stick with something even if it's not working. Exactly. And maybe that's one reason why the advent of, of science is fought in our culture to some degree, just to really go a little wide. There's this whole effort at pushing back on scientific literacy. We have a fairly scientifically illiterate culture here in the United States in many ways. And I think some of the pushback from that comes from the fact that people know if they get facts and reason and evidence-based thinking going on, then they're going to have to challenge their own belief structures. Mm-hmm. Now, did you within Scientology have any belief in ghosts? Were there ever any ghost stories? Any connection? Oh, very much so. Oh. Yes, no, very much so. Because we believed that every single one of us was a spiritual entity. A thetan. That, yeah, a thetan that carries on once the body is dead. And if you don't just go down to the hospital and get another body from the baby unit, uh, then you're going to wander around. And some people wander around for a while and they don't know what the hell's going on and they wander aimlessly and then they get stuck in places or, you know, they can't figure out how to get out of the house. Mm -hmm. There's all kinds of explanations in the world of Scientology for it. But there's uh, I don't think I ever met one Scientologist who didn't think that that was very, very true and that, uh, of course, ghost stories were real. Would they have used the word ghost? Or would Sometimes. they have said, oh, that's, they, that's a different thing? Most of the time they said, oh, there's someone there or there's, you know, he or she, if they know what it was. Ghost was not necessarily the popular term. Thetan, you know, there's mm-hmm. a Thetan there. Okay. Many of the orgs are rebuilt and restored historic buildings. Is there ever any kind of joking or nudging like, ah, that's the Thetan of old Jack who used to live here? Yes, I actually had that in Santa Barbara. <laughs> there was, I, and I talked about this on my podcast when I did this show, there was, it's an old hotel. Santa Barbara's Church of Scientology was an old hotel on State Street. And mm. so there's a third floor, which is rooms people used to stay in, second floor as well. And I lived in that building for a while because I wasn't making any money. And so they, <laughs> you know, they had to put me up. And I was told early on when I when I got there that there was the ghost of a guy who had died in the hotel back in the 20s. And you could sometimes see the red glow of his cigarette pacing back and forth up on the balcony <laughs> or the ledge there on the third floor. And you could hear him walking back and forth. Wow. And sometimes Whoa. I did hear what sound, what could easily have been interpreted as footsteps mm-hmm. walking back and forth outside my room. I never saw the red glow. And I also was truly terrified from a creepy, creepy feeling I would get being in the bathroom at the end of this hallway or the end of this balcony area on the third floor we would do cleaning stations where we'd clean the building and I would be assigned these two upstairs bathrooms. And one time I went in there and I could not finish my cleaning because I got so freaked out. Mm. Uh, I thought for sure there was a malevolent presence in that bathroom giving me the evil eye. Wow. And, uh, and it was easy to chalk that up to some malevolent Thetan hanging out there. And, and I'll tell you something else you guys will laugh at is it it was a common story in the Sea Org, amongst Sea Org members uh, at Big Blue there in L.A., where you guys went, that when they purchased that complex, they had to have a couple OTs go through the whole building complex 
clean it out. What? Oh, wow. Yep. Oh, my goodness. Because that was Cedar sinai Hospital. There was a morgue there. There oh, were, yeah. you know, people yeah. died there all the time. Yeah. And so the place apparently, according to the story, was loaded with ghosts and thetans when they got there and purchased the property. And they had to go in and, and tell them to all go Go across the street. Go get a body. Go get out, beat it, man. Get out of here. You're not wanted here. I can't believe and- I didn't realize until this moment that when we were in the basement, <laughs> over and over, we very well may have been in an old morgue. That was going to be yeah. my next question. Do you know which current structure within the org is where yeah. the morgue? The used org to be? morgue. The org morgue. Oh, yeah, I was. <laughs> I was in the when I first got there in 1995. They had not yet renovated a lot of the interiors of those buildings. And so the executive office of the middle organization, what's called ASHA or the American St. Hill organization has a big tiger, has a big steel tiger in front of it now. But that building on the basement floor had the morgue and there was still the, the scale, the body scale that you'd roll a corpse onto in order to weigh it. That was still there in the middle of the executive office when I got there in 1995. Wow. What the hell is that? They said, oh, yeah, that's the body scale because this used to be the morgue. And I was like, what? (laughs) And they said, yeah, we had to clean it all out when we got here. And and, because there were just like thetans all over the place. And uh and they said, you know, sometimes they still hang around a little bit around here. They didn't get them all. So how you do know? you clean a thetan out? Well, apparently you just go command them to go get a body, you know, take off. You just talk to them, apparently. I'm sure if you're OT7 yeah. or above, you can do that. Well, you've been talking to body thetans all that time, so I guess you're kind of used to it you're, at that point. You're at cause. You can tell That's them right. what to do. I want to see that ghost hunting show. <laughs> they they come in with their best it's not Christ compels you it's just go just go just go dude (laughs) yeah the very matter of fact and I I also remarked on this uh, before but you know my dad talked very matter of factly to me when I was a kid about ghosts and said there was absolutely no reason to be scared of ghosts at all He, he said one time he said, look, they can, you know, they, they don't have a body. You have a body. You, you got more than they do. They're just hanging around. You got to tell them to go get a body. He goes, I mean, they, they move stuff. They turn the lights on and off. You go, hey, what's the big deal? I can go do that, too. And you just go turn the lights on and off. Like, who cares? Mm-hmm. It's why, why be scared? Why be terrified of this? And he was so matter of fact about it that it really obviously left an impression because I still remember it all these years later. I was like, you know, eight or nine years mm-hmm. old when he that and being so matter of fact can really especially to young years like that can make it just part of the real world exactly that was what he was trying to get across to me was there was just nothing to be afraid of about disembodied spirits you know they're just not they're not they're not a big deal they're a dime a dozen and they just need to go get on with their life it's interesting too how a lot of or at least my experience was that a lot of kids are taught that angels are real and angels visit you that's good but ghosts which are somehow different are uh, those are bad and i mean biblically of course angels like aren't old humans but but that was kind of what was in the culture was this idea like oh your grandpa's an angel now he might visit you that's good but if your grandpa came as a ghost that's bad why what's the difference Exactly. This is our narrative and how we describe such experiences. Right. I think the idea is probably something that they're 
coming up from the bad place mm. if they're if they're ghosts, yeah, the I, demonic mm-hmm. forces. Interesting. Yeah, I think what I've usually heard about ghosts is more that they're stuck. They're supposed to go to heaven, yes. or they're supposed to go to hell, or they're supposed to go to a new body, but they can't figure it out, or they don't know they're dead. Yeah, I feel that's a that's secular fine. narrative, but mm-hmm. it's definitely mm-hmm. kind of the cultural yep. go-to. Well, I want to make good on a promise to our listeners, uh, speaking of talking to ghosts, and play some audio from when we asked the ghosts some questions. <laughs> oh, yeah. Is anyone with us here tonight? What is your name? We can hear faint clicking sounds. Are you dead? Is there some purpose for being here? Is there something keeping you here? Are you glad we're here? Are you unhappy that we're here? Where did you live? I heard either Ross's or my stomach. I'm not sure which one. I was wondering what that sound was. One of her stomachs. One of her stomachs. Okay. There was uh, nary a reply from the ghost, though we called out certain sounds that did occur. I tried boosting it way up and listened for any tiny Oh, you did? Okay, good. And yeah, okay. I didn't hear any uh, ghostly voices, unfortunately. But it, it's funny. I think it says something. I would have preferred there to have been some weird, unexplained yeah. audio. Oh, my God, right? Let's play it backwards and amp it up and <laughs> add tones. Oh, my God. Wouldn't it have been funny if we'd gotten back, thoroughly debunked everything, and <laughs> yes. then we that tape, and it's like, get out. <laughs> Exactly. I'm going to kill him after you leave. You know, like what? That that was my greatest hope. Unfortunately, the what audio. if it were that and the voice was Zachary's? <laughs> oh my god! What? <laughs> oh my god! I love it. We mentioned that we would follow up with Zachary. Uh, we've kept in communication with him, unrelated to our investigation. He hasn't been in the greatest place lately, but he did mention in one of his posts that some of the most fun he's had recently was hanging out with friends a few weekends ago. And I'm pretty sure he was referring to the time that he spent with us, which is really nice. I did want to also do due diligence and uh, (laughs) and (laughs) report back. Uh, He had texted me and he said, Hey, what's up, Ross? It's Zachary. Just want to say hi. Hope all is well with you guys. I listened to the podcast last night. It was very well done and funny, which I was very glad to hear. I've shared your show with multiple friends. Hopefully that helps your notoriety a bit. Uh, (laughs) He said, although I did want to clarify something that maybe was miscommunicated, at no point did I ever believe that the Holocaust never happened. (laughs) I know for a fact it did because I've talked to survivors who are in the camps. Plus, my grandfather had pictures from friends that liberated the camps in Poland. 
Hitler's War by David Irving was written before he went all Holocaust denier. Hmm. That's what uh, Not sure about that part, but he, glad to hear he believes the Holocaust happened. Yeah, he goes on on that. Anyway, so then he says later, yeah, just want you guys to know that I always saw that. But I thought... Also, what, what a great guy, just that he responded that way. I think yeah. so many other people yes. would say, screw you. Look, it's offensive. Yeah, yeah calling sure. me a Holocaust denier. How dare you? Yeah, he's uh, a good dude. I, I remember we did have a conversation at the sandwich shop later where we were explaining reasons that we know the Holocaust happened. Yes. But uh, I guess he was just in full agreement with us. So I did yeah, watch cool. that movie that you suggested. About oh, Denial. David. Yeah, yeah, yeah. About David Wasn't Irving. that a great movie? Yeah, it was fun. Wasn't Rachel Weisz amazing? I love her. She's always amazing. I love the constant gardener. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Well, I've got to interrupt you all here because we have another Jumbotron. Another Jumbotron. I hope that it's for something else wonderful I can listen to. It's another podcast. On the Station Wagon podcast, siblings Mark and Julie dig into things we take for granted. Mark tells the history, Julie explains the peer-reviewed research, and then they change their behavior for two weeks and tell you how it goes. Past topics include pants, caffeine, sarcasm, touching others, the news, and apologizing. That is an eclectic mix. Yeah. Enjoy history quizzes, weird experiments, and a bit of sibling rivalry on the Station Wagon podcast. Sounds a bit like our show, minus the sibling rivalry. Yeah. Um, apparently also Julie Kin, who co-hosts it, she also hosts the Meddling Kids podcast, which is a Scooby-Doo review show. Oh, I like Scooby-Doo. I like Scooby-Doo, too. It's uh, also the lesson a lot like is our always, show. Yeah, the lesson's always like, oh, I was a guy with a blanket. It was Mr. Jenkins, mm -hmm. the janitor the whole time. You can enjoy the science and history of things we take for granted on the Station Wagon Podcast, a monthly comedy show by two Pacific Northwest siblings. Dang it, we're going to have to subscribe to both of those shows. So many good shows. Back to our <laughs> show. <laughs> Chris, what's your favorite movie? Raiders um, of the Lost Ark. Oh, you didn't say Star Wars. Okay. As soon as I said no. it, I was like, oh, he's going to say Star Wars. Yes, Star Wars no. tats. That's a stereotype. Of people that, with Star Wars tats? Hey, don't put me in a box. <laughs> I get tattoos of shit I don't even like. Actually, I should say that probably my favorite favorite, as far as like the, the, the one I think is the best movie ever made, is Field of Dreams. Oh, uh, you know what? That's funny. That was my favorite movie if you'd asked me anywhere between the ages of... I want to say 8 to 14. That probably would have been my response. Love that movie. Oh, interesting. Interesting. I didn't see it until I was in my 20s. Oh, okay. Ah. And, and the movie is just, to me, how I used to say it when I was in Scientology, and you guys will understand this, is I used to say it was the only thing I'd ever experienced in real life that came close to how I felt in an auditing session. <laughs> wow okay okay crazy and the end of that movie showed me or made me feel like magic was real and dreams Aww. really come true that's wonderful and yeah so that's what field of dreams has always meant to me the baseball stuff was all just metaphor for me it never it wasn't it wasn't about baseball and mm -hmm. and the and and as a scientologist i i was you know, we were so hepped up on ourselves and how great we were, right, that my <laughs> attitude about the movie was that Kevin Costner must have somehow or the person who wrote the story must have somehow had some amazing insight because it was so true. The movie was so true because mm. that's ah. what you see reflected in that movie is the better side of Scientology belief. It's the possibility and the potential that we 
could make things like that happen. And that mm. was why the movie had such a positive effect on me. Oh, fascinating. Interesting. Yeah. So that was kind of my my big cinematic thing. I've, I've seen it. I'm a total cinephile. I've seen a ton of movies, really great ones. But that has always been the movie that has always had the biggest effect on me. Yeah, you're a movie reviewer on your channel. Yeah, yeah I've done movie reviews. Yeah, I, it's, it's, I love movies. My favorite movie is Magnolia. Magnolia. My favorite. Really? With Tom Cruise? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's hey, right. Your old friend Tom Cruise. Actually, actually, his arguably his best performance ever in a movie. He's so good in it. Interesting. He, huh. he is. He nails the slimy self-help guru guy. Frank so T.J. Well. Mackey. Yes. I and that say, was, I believe, at a time period when he himself was not actually doing Scientology. Oh, interesting. Okay, it was uh, oh. 1999 that it was shot. Huh. 99. Okay, yeah, that might have been when they were getting him back on lines, but I I thought it was earlier than that that they did that movie. But it was, um, yeah, that? I think he was back. He was back on board by that point. What was that film, The Last Samurai, or something like that? I think yep. that was when he was going through that big. Okay. Potential. I thought yeah. you were trying to think of your own favorite movie, and you no. were like, "What's that one?" <laughs> <laughs> I, I was going to say, I think uh, Tom Cruise was perfectly cast in "Live, Die, Repeat." Was the uh, yes. th- the new title they gave it? What was the original title? Day after, or the Edge of Tomorrow. Edge, the Edge of, tomorrow. of Tomorrow. Yes, that was it. That was actually a great film, and I think he was perfect in that. I didn't see that. Oh, I, have, I have to agree, and. And now I'm at a place where I can't watch Mm -hmm. Tom Cruise movies. So Uh, I'm not I'm not normally like that with people. I don't hold grudges and that kind of stuff. But that guy's just too much of a scumbag in real life. Fair enough. Well, good luck finding a Scientology connection with my favorite movie. Battlefield Earth. No. (laughs) (laughs) No, my favorite movie is Fiddler on the Roof. Oh, that's a good one. Wow. No, I cannot think of any connection to that one. I love that story. Just of really Tevya having to deal with one daughter at a time, betraying his expectations. And I love to think that somewhere down the line, the other two daughters, you know, one of them became an atheist and the other is a lesbian. And that <laughs> he, had, he had to deal with that as well. And, and just that, that moment where he finally realizes after his daughter marries for love, he turns to his wife and asks, do you love me? And it, that oh. song gets me every time. Oh, oh wow. my goodness. Mm-hmm. I ball every time I say, oh, anyways. I saw I love that, that on movie. Broadway. Oh, oh, very cool. Yeah. I got to see it with Topol playing Tevye. Oh, nice. Here at the, I think it was the Pantages. Here's what I always think of when I think of Fiddler on the Roof. Do you guys know the game Heads Up? Where you you try to get the other person to guess. Oh, yeah. The... You hold your phone up to your forehead. Yeah. That's what Carrie's doing. Oh, yes. Okay. Yes, yes. So one time I was playing it with my best friend, Claire, and it said Fiddler on the Roof. So I said, it's not a violinist on the ceiling. And she screamed, <laughs> cellist on the floor! <laughs> Well, that is of the opposite. Of course she did. <laughs> of course she did. That's the most obvious answer. She was so confident, too. Cellist on the floor! No, wow. not it, Claire. Well, we've really come full circle on this ghost episode. Yes. Uh-oh, we're drifting. We're drifting. Like ghosts. Well, what was your biggest takeaway from the investigation, Chris? 
one that I could that I need to and could learn a lot more about investigative methods. And I was very, very open and looking forward to an opportunity to do more of that kind of thing and and being very, you know, like really letting the imagination go on on how on coming up with ways to try to explain things naturally with natural phenomena. Awesome. So that was a big, that was kind of a big thing for me. And of course, the other thing was was helping Zach. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. that's that's kind of that's kind of what I live for is helping people. So and we didn't was- realize until we were at the airport that you'd never met Zach in person before yourself. Nope. <laughs> nope. We had it all been through Facebook Messenger and uh, an online interaction until we met at the airport. Well, that's pretty cool that you could uh, strike up that friendship and call us in to help out. I don't know. I think we should hang up a shingle now and just go around the nation and look into people's haunted houses. I, I'm down. I'll tell you, I will be, I would go anywhere with you guys and do that again. I think that was awesome. That was a lot of fun. I would go anywhere with you guys. <laughs> what is that? Oh, it's uh, meatloaf. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, cool. I just remembered a correction I need to bring in from the last investigation. I kept saying electromagnetic frequency. EMF is electromagnetic field. So, Oh, of course it is. Because electromagnet, yeah, duh. Right. right. They operate in fields. They Their effects are in fields. So uh, that is the proper. Field of dreams. Electromagnetic field of <laughs> dreams. Whoa. I think we just got an episode title. Wow. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being on our show again, Chris. Thank you guys for having me. I love talking to you guys and listening to your adventures is always fun. We look forward to future collaborations. In the meantime, how do people find you? Oh, through my blog, mncriticalthinking.com. Or my YouTube channel, which is simply Chris Shelton. Cool, cool. Fantastic. Well, that's it for our show. Our theme music is by Brian Keith Dalton. Our administrative manager is Ian Kramer. You can find us on the web at facebook.com forward slash onrec. And this time, after this investigation, I will post pictures, uh, all the images that we were talking about from this investigation. So Yeah, yeah. yeah, go check it out. Find pictures, see articles we share, hear about other interviews that we've been in, and like us. And you can find us on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash Ono Podcast. Go to Greta.com. That's Greta with two T's. And you can hear our podcast, but also see a transcription of it. It's very cool. Yeah, especially please share that with your non-hearing friends. Yes. And remember... The three most important words in critical thinking are I don't know. Because all the fun comes from finding out. The Dead Pilot Society podcast brings you hilarious comedy pilots that were never made, featuring actors like Aubrey Plaza, Andy Richter, Paul F. Tompkins, John Hodgman, Adam Scott, Molly Shannon, Busy Phillips, Tom Lennon, Anna Camp, Lori Metcalf, Felicia Day, Michael Ian Black, Adam Savage, Paul Shear, Ben Schwartz, Skylar Aston, Mae Whitman, Josh Molina, Ben Feldman, Nicole Byer, Jason Ritter, Sarah Chalk, Steve Agee, Jane Levy, Allison Tolman, Danielle Nicolette, Casey Wilson, Anna Ortiz, Lorraine Newman, June Diane Raphael, Kieran Chipka, Ed Week, Zach Knight, and Carrie Kenny Silver, John Ross Bowie, Jamie Denbo, Janet Varney, Alexander Forsyth, Summer, Ellen Rouse, and many more. Listen at MaximumFun.org, iTunes, or wherever you download podcasts. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.